Hello and welcome to the Thursday episode of the 905er and this week's 905 Roundup. My name is Roland Tanner. I am Joel McLeod. And, uh, well, we have a couple of stories, as always, on, on a Thursday. Um, <laughs> and, well, the first one, Joel, is, is certainly, if you live in Burlington, this has been the main topic of discussion and it's not the municipal election although it has bearing possibly on the municipal election but um it's it's a a a different kind of a beast of a different um color i guess i don't know if that's the right way to describe it for a furrier one um if you you know long time listeners of this podcast will know that we've mentioned this uh, a couple episodes ago um so i guess you don't have to be that long of a listener uh but coyotes in burlington have been the the main news uh, a main concern in Burlington for the last, uh, I don't know, if you don't, if you read the papers, you're going to think, oh, it's only been an issue for the last, you know, a couple of months. In reality, you, you and I both know this has been going on for years, almost close to a decade now, I think, of concerns about uh, wild coyotes in urban neighborhoods uh, here in Burlington, and I'm sure other neighborhoods in the 905 as well. This isn't just a just a Burlington problem, but it's ballooned up because these. Uh, coyotes have, long story short, basically attacked people minding their own business who were not who were not pestering these coyotes, who were not bothering them, but the coyotes are so desensitized to humans um, that they feel comfortable going right up to people as they sleep and start biting them, uh, either wanting to eat them or to uh, to to demand a, a, a food from them. Uh, the the Basically, it's been these coyotes are so uh, used to humans that we to us we we no longer really pose a threat to them. Um, they don't they're not they're not afraid of us anymore. And we've we've mentioned this all, all this be, before. And I know listeners are probably saying, "What's the point, Joel? Get to the point." And the point is this: uh, there's a website called CoyoteWatchCanada.com. We're going to post a, a link to this particular uh, article in our show notes. But uh, um, September 21st, they wrote in a blog titled wildlife encounters are preventable if timely action is taken i'm not going to read it word for word but the gist is this uh as far i'm going to quote this as far back as 2014 coyote watch canada contacted the city of burlington about issues related to wildlife feeding attractants and preventing negative encounters for residents hundreds of field investigation and mitigation hours exposed multi-site wildlife feeding but the city took no action to resolve these locations many of these locations are still hot spots today Flash forward to later on in the, in the blog post, in a 2018 letter to council, it was noted that squirrels, chipmunks, waterfowl, and other animals, all of whom typically keep their, keep their distance from humans, were following residents in parks. That this behavior was also taught to coyotes is of no surprise and was entirely preventable. Uh, basically, they're saying that this not-for-profit agency that is con- granted concerned with uh, conservation efforts for coyote wildlife basically saying like you need to you need to address this like this like bad things are going to happen if you do not properly educate people now on how to live with coyotes and right now for um burlington the city of burlington has said they've killed four coyotes to to date the problem is always that they we were told at the start like there's no point in killing a coyote because another coyote will just move in and take that coyote's habitat. So this idea, oh, the city's doing something. They've been forced to kill these coyotes. 
ha- have we solved the, the ultimate problem? I'm going to say no, because my suspicion is another coyote is going to move into those four coyotes' habitats. <clears throat> and we're going to be right back where we started on this problem, folks. Back, back where we started, or, or even worse. I mean, it, no, I mean, again, I'm going with this website, it, it seems to me, you know, we haven't spoken to the authors of the website, um, but it seems to me to be written by people who are, who are pretty darn well informed. It's well written. It's not inflammatory. It's not, um, it's not, um, it doesn't strike me as, as, as written by people with, with, who are, who are willing to let their uh, willing to, to 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 not let facts get in the way of their agenda? If you see what I mean, it seems to be a well informed, well written thing. I don't know know if that means it's accurate or not, but it certainly struck us as well. This is very interesting, and mm-hmm. actually, the thing I found really interesting is what who who and what they don't blame, um, because those are the things that the city's been blaming and kind of shaming tacitly or or not so tacitly last few years which is you know basically oh are you you know the citizens aren't putting out their garbage in the right way or at the right times bird feeders and back gardens things like this there's no mention of that they're talking about feeding in parks and specifically a presumably small number of people in the city who actually feed the coyotes um you know these are these are things which are which are you now obviously it's not the city's fault that there are people who do things like that um, but it is the city's fault that that um, there isn't better education and enforcement surrounding not feeding wildlife. You know, I mean, you know, when I was a kid, I used to throw bread for the ducks. I didn't know there was anything wrong with that, but there are, you know, wildlife experts will tell you that actually that's a pretty terrible thing to do. It doesn't do them any favors. There are signs in LaSalle Park saying don't feed the ducks, but unless there's enforcement, and also not just enforcement but explanation to people about why you don't want to be feeding the ducks or the geese or the whatever mm-hmm. um people aren't going to pay any attention because they're like well we've always fed the geese what the hell is the problem you know you, you we all know that kind of reaction we all feel it ourselves in our guts when we hear something something we've done for a long time is challenged a natural reaction is to say oh leave me alone um, but if there are good arguments, and if it, you know, if the end result of of this kind of behaviour is people getting bitten by coyotes, then yeah, I'll listen and I'll change my behaviour. Here, uh, but education has never been done in Burlington, and, and you know, so the, I, I thought that the story that they're, they're telling is substantially different from the story we get from the city. I mean, right. ultimately, the parts about you know, the city was the one that was saying don't sh- shooting coyotes is a waste of time, and I'm sure they're right. It is a waste of time. Now they've been forced into a situation where they have to do it because the public is not going to accept much else. Um, and because you've got a short-term crisis where, you know, I think everybody assumed that, well, you know, if, if, if the odds, if the odd lapdog out for a nighttime pee gets eaten by Cody, it's a shame, but what are you going to do? And I know I've spoken to people personally who that had happened to, and I spoke to politicians about, well, you know, this is person this happened to, they're very upset. And, and you know, literally the, the, the kind of reaction was an eye roll of, well, you know, what do you expect if you let your dog out late at night? Well, not very sympathetic, but anyway. Um, the, the, but, you know, we're in the situation now because they kind of shrugged and said, well, you know, basically this is the public's fault 
what are we going to do? We're just right. going to say that the public are morons, not in so many words, but basically quite a strong implication that the public are morons. They shouldn't do it. You're naughty. Um, but if you don't change your behavior, this is what can happen. And that's like, well, that's a very negative view of, of what your role is as, as city uh, city yeah. enforcement, you know. But here, of course, it costs money to do the well, things a, that would have needed that's to be done. what it comes down to here is that you you to educate the public, change their behavior, and get them on board. It's going to require money and a campaign and strong messaging, and that requires time and resources. And it's very clear the city just said, "We don't want to do it. We do, we don't want to do it. It's somebody else's problem. Forget it." And it's one of those things, like, yeah, like you, you're you're going to discomfort some people. And it was almost as if the city was like, "Okay, do we?" discomfort the old busybodies who are going to call like you said i always am able to f- feed the ducks in the park why why am i not able to feed the ducks anymore you guys are crazy oh, man, man, man. and instead of taking on them and saying no like the problem is you feed you train people these animals to follow humans around you're going to train coyotes to do the same and they're a they are a lot bigger than cute fuzzy squirrels and what that what it also would mean is eventually at some point, yeah, you might have to get police, bylaw officers to start issuing tickets and fines to people. Who say, listen, you're feeding animals in a public park. Stop it. Here's your ticket and make an example out of somebody. And that's what it would come down. To. And somebody said, I just don't want to deal with the fight. And now we're stuck with coyotes attacking people. We're thankful that. I, I personally am thankful. Okay, we haven't heard anything of like a small child being really attacked, because um, that's also what I, I'd be afraid of. Is that, you know a, fam- a young well, a, a new a, family a, taking a baby out to a park? The children it, have been involved in some of these incidents. Uh, yeah, I mean, I don't have the details to hand right this second, but right. there, there was a, an elderly lady, and but the, the, there's been there was a child involved in at least one of the incidents as well, um, but. Uh, yeah, I mean it's a really bad situation that that we've got now, and it 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 makes everything worse because now the public is is uh, you know the the anxiety that existed before, which I saw you know when I was knocking on doors four years ago, one of the most you know right up there amongst the story the things I heard all the time is like what are you going to do about these? I see coyotes all the time. What are you going to do about it? And it was the most difficult thing for me to answer because it's like I don't yeah. know what I, I mean. I'm told, you know, I have been informed the best thing to do is is kind of not very much. Well, maybe that was a crummy answer in retrospect. Um, and you know, <laughs> I'll I'll take I'll plead guilty to that. Um, but you know, that was what was coming out of the city. And and I certainly, if the alternative was was putting a bullet through sort of animals' heads for no particularly good reason, I wasn't going to be on board for that. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's a it's it's a really poor show and i mean the thing is you know at this kind of time and it's not necessarily a thing in burlington but it's certainly a thing in some cities uh, you know election time municipal election time there are there are people running for early election talking about crime waves and you know funding the police and uh ron star hilariously the 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 councillor in in uh in uh mississauga who it is alleged vandalized a car multiple times uh has a huge billboard up saying you know stop let's stop the crime wave and it's like well <laughs> there's one way to stop one crime wave that's not to vote for you mate but um but yeah and that's the kind of thing that comes up 
what they never talk about is bylaw enforcement, which is what the city is uniquely um, involved in, which is enforcement of those little niggling things, um, you know, uh, that that occur that the police aren't going to touch with the barge pole, but but which have to be enforced. Um, you know, that you don't grow the wrong kind, you know, something poisonous in your garden, or you don't. But bylaw is a complaint-based system almost entirely. So if someone's feeding coyotes, unless someone else notices and reports that to, a, to the bylaw enforcement, nothing is ever going to happen. It's a, it's a, it's a thing that you, what comes down to in my mind is that the city is, and a lot, I think this isn't a, a Burlington thing, this is the 905, is that for too long, they, every municipality has operated in their own private silos. You know, development and climate change weren't connected. Climate change and wildlife and park weren't connected. And what we had here was every municipality in the 905 passed a climate emergency bill, you know, a, a climate emergency bylaw, whatever, in their respective communities. And you say, okay, that must mean that, you know, we're going to see massive policy changes to address this global emergency. We've seen nothing, you know, in, in Burlington development has still gone on the way it has been for the last decade. You know, we, we haven't, we haven't seen changes to the way buildings have been built or, or density or any, anything like that. It's just, it's nothing's changed. The reason why coyotes are here is because we just, we never properly addressed sprawl and we just kept saying, okay, there's another field. Let's build a neighborhood. That's another field. We keep building. We'll keep building. Oh, well, 407. Oh, let's go past the 407. And we ended up with, we've encroached on their territory and they're, they're wild animals. They aren't going to say, oh, well, you know, I guess it's your land now. No, they, they will just travel down the ravines, travel down side streets. And this is their home now because our, we were greedy and we just said we're not going to change our way well this is where nature fights back this is how this is this is climate change we didn't address climate change properly we don't want to change our habits and our beliefs guess what this is you know we, we've seen hurricane fiona on the east coast pummeling the the, the maritimes uh because of climate change this is i'm not comparing the the devastation to it but this is kind of the same broad sense here is that we nature will push back on us we are not the absolute masters of this planet even in the 905 we need to learn to live in our ecosystem in our in our habitats we pushed in on their their territory they're coming into ours they're here to stay unfortunately that's it we are not getting rid of coyotes um and i'm sorry but if that's the case then we need leadership who's going to say then you're gonna we have to change our, our ways we have to change our habits and if it's the the people who can't change who 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 aren't adaptable to the new reality are going to sit there and say they're okay with uh kids and and old people being attacked because they 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 find it's an inconvenience to change their habits tough like we need leadership who'll stand up and say no we're 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 taking a hard stance as you need to change or we're going to change it for you that's uh, yeah that, that's all very good points i mean that and that's a big macro big picture thing i'm going to bring it back briefly to the to the very small picture of, of burlington and that is that 
you know, Burlington just has this habit. Uh, I don't know if it's getting worse. I, 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 you know, I'm not going to point the finger at this council. I'm not going to point the picture at any council. I'm going to point a picture at the bureaucracy of Burlington over the last decade, decade and a half, and the culture that I, I've seen multiple times in action at City Hall. And I, again, it's not one person. It's a kind of institutional uh, inertia. I think it's common at many city halls. I just happen to think Burlington has it bad. Um, and it's kind of typical, you know, the the tone coming out of city hall throughout this was, there was an element of contempt for the public. And sure, members of the public may be ultimately responsible for this thing, because they're behaving in a really stupid manner and feeding dangerous wild animals. Um, however, um, you know, it's not helpful to just say, well, you know what, the public is stupid. What are you going to do? No, you, but you know, there, there's, when I say inertia, there are sort of multiple kind, kinds of inertia at City Hall. There's that inertia that no department really wants to do anything if they can get away with it. They want to be left alone to run their little fiefdom in peace and you know when councillors or the public or anybody comes to them and says we want this to be done differently the the reaction whether it's cam jackson 15 years ago or marion meadward today or any you know a, a councillor x or councillor y or member of the public a or member of the public b is you don't know what you're talking about, leave us alone. And I mean, I've heard the stories and, you know, unfortunately we can't often really talk about them publicly because they've been told to us in confidence or whatever. But if, you know, staff members just really not behaving. And, I, and again, I'm not, this, I'm not talking about one person who's told me stories like this. I'm talking about multiple people who've told me like stories like this over multiple decades now of, of how staff intransigence prevents things from happening and how you know and i've seen it with my own eyes that you know even moderate change uh, kicks up a torrent a tidal wave of resistance and reasons why no we can't do it because we can't do it because we can't do it because the classic case is like okay we've got these damn coyotes you know we don't really want to do anything about it well that's the public's problem you know get off our back and now you've got a huge mess on your hands and a huge mess is what Burlington really just does better than any other city. <laughs> mm -hmm. I mean, maybe not the, the colossal kind of vileness that you see in some other cities. And I'm looking at you, Brampton. I'm looking at you, Hamilton. Um, but it's certainly pretty bad. Um, and at a kind of Burlington level, it's, it's, it's really been destructive and unhelpful for a long time. Um, nope. So that, that's my kind of micro look at a macro problem <laughs> you know what uh on the on the note of uh needing to change uh change council uh, uh culture why don't we take a break there because i think we've got that'll give a, a good segue into our next uh to topic after the break okay folks and we're back and we go uh deep into the hamilton election uh with uh a, a former guest of the of the podcast uh justin chandler uh wrote in uh on tvo.org 
an article on Hamilton politics called what happens when an activist runs for office. And he focused on four, uh, uh, candidates running in various wards across Hamilton, uh, Anthony Frazina, uh, Cameron Crutch, who we've had on the podcast uh, before, uh, Kojo Dampty and uh, Linda Lukasik, uh, who are all, I guess, in their in their respective capacities, uh, kind of a, a, an activist for various causes. Not all the same cause. Like they're all, they, it's a kind of a plethora uh, around. A variety of issues but they've all decided no I'm, I'm we're throwing our hats in the ring and we're, we're going to take a shot at a, a, a city council yeah and, and the article sort of asked the question you know is uh, uh it doesn't use this phrase but but if i could sum it up it's kind of implying you know do do activists people who've been activists for a cause who become uh counselors face sort of additional challenges of, of, of balancing balancing the compromises that you have to make in politics to get anything done with you know for instance cameron kretsch um i mean i don't think i'm saying anything out of turn here you know he he's been very outspoken on all kinds of issues um you know does him does cameron kretsch the counselor who has to a work with other counselors to get things done and b if he loses a vote is then technically not even technically definitely meant to support the decision that's made even if you voted against it um which i think is kind of a crazy situation but it, that is the situation that exists um do, the, do those you know does being an activist you know is it almost a problem in a candidate and um Ah, personally, my answer would be no. <laughs> uh, my, my question has always been, why aren't more activists uh, running for political office? And, you know, th there's some are, some are good, some are bad. But it's one of those things, there's something to be said about, like, you know, kind of being on the outside looking in for a while. And after a while, you just got to, you know, after banging your head against the door, so to speak, sometimes you just got to kick the door open and say, okay, screw it, I'm I'm taking over now. I'm getting the job done and I'm, I'm moving it. And I, I, just, I find what I find interesting. I mentioned this before we uh, hit record was the, the diversity, not just the diversity of their, the, the, the fields that they're active in. Uh, when you when you get to the city council, when you get to any kind of a, what's supposed to be a collaborative uh, environment, like city council, it's supposed to be collaborative where, where that intersectionality is going to come into play, you know, um, you know, how, how are those relationships going to work where, you know, okay. So they might, they might have a, a bit of an agenda, but you have four years to kind of put that agenda out and you're going to, I, I've always found that, you know, you and I have always said like nothing happens in a silo. Everything is interconnected. Everything. It has an effect on something else. And when you get that intersectionality happening, whether it's um, uh, you know anti-black racism, uh, LGBTQ rights, accessibility issues, or the environment, that that to me is that I'm eager to see how that might work. I mean, I, I'm like for for closing or, or foreshadowing that these individuals are going to be elected. I, I have no idea what's going to happen, but I find that's exciting. Is what happens when you get that intersectionality of people say, you know what can we do if I, you know, my interest is in the environment, 
and your interest is in um, uh, 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 anti-black racism, what 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 would happen there? You know, what what's that what's that compromise going to look like to move some kind of policy ahead? And the fact is, we want we want diverse councils, diverse diverse in all senses of the word. We don't want councils as they have historically been being made up of middle class white men. Um, you know that was not a good situation. I mean, it was a deeply, deeply not good situation. Um, we want people who come from backgrounds who, and certainly, you know, if I'm casting a vote at a municipal level for anybody, I'm not going to cast my vote for someone who does not have a track record. I don't care if you've, you know, the kind of thing I've lived in. I've lived in Hamilton all my life. I could not care less where you've lived. <laughs> <laughs> don't care. I mean, sure. Um, I want to know that you know a bit about Hamilton and that you've got a history of, of kind of reasonable judgment. But I mean, I want to see what you're passionate about. And you know, any activist who's, you know, that, that we all know, well, you and I both know that uh, candidates for political office, people who want to become candidates in the future, will often get themselves on committees as as resume building. They'll get them on, they'll get into the, you know, uh, the board of the YMCA or the board of the hospital, they'll, you know, and, and that has no guarantee, let me tell you, that that person has actually done diddly squat for those organizations. However, I mean, you can tell with, for instance, you know, we, we're not going to endorse any candidates on this podcast or anything like that, but I think we can go as far as saying, you know, these are candidates that if you lived in those wars are definitely worth paying attention to because they, they have achieved things before uh, and uh, uh, things of actual significance in organizations of significance mm -hmm. doesn't mean you're going to be a good counselor um you know it doesn't necessarily follow but it, it means that you're worth taking a look at you know if, if all someone can say is why well, i've lived here all my life end of sentence you know, have, go have, away. You, have <laughs> you made a difference but yeah. what i like i you know i i I know you, I know where you were hinting on on that comment, and so I'm going to kind of maybe broaden on it. But I, th I get the sense we had, we'd assumed that the the selection in Hamilton would be a change election. That we thought there'd be a wave of candidates who were saying enough is enough. We're going to battle with the old guard, the the the, the previous council, and we're going to go in and start. And we're going to have to wrestle control away from them to give to a more progressive view of the city. And we're, we're anticipating a kind of a real, like, oh, this is going to be a real policy fight over the kind of the, the, the direction of the city. That didn't happen because the old, the old guard, basically just said, okay, forget this. I'm going home. And they just walked away. So we thought, okay, well, we did. We thought, okay, that's, well, that, 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 you know, there's no fight in Hamilton anymore. We're not, nobody's going to care. I'm glad to see that 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 spirit didn't leave Hamilton uh, this time around. You know, the, these candidates are still advocating for their their respective communities. They're they're and they're not shying away from the expertise that they're going to rely on to get them elected. And I get the sense that they're also saying, but there's also a lot of stuff that I don't know. And my experience has taught me that I need to rely on people to help me get through it. And it I'm rambling here, so bear with me. But that that sense of change is still there. And what I find interesting is when you look at the mayoral election, 
that's where the fight starting to materialize is that we saw it in the in the channel uh, sorry cable 14 debate where it's very clear andrew horvath was running on the on the slate on the idea of i've been here since god knows when i am hamilton give me the job and whereas keenan loomis was yeah he he's like i haven't been here for a while i want the i want the top job not because I think I deserve it, but because I've got some ideas that I'm interested in. You may not like those ideas and that's your right, but he's, I, I I get the sense from he's not doing because like, I don't know what else to do with my time. He said, I got some ideas on how I would like to see the city improve. Give me, give me four years and see if I, if I make it happen. If I don't, you vote him out again. But I think that's kind of a refreshing viewpoint to have, not just in him, but it kind of in the, like a lot of these would be counselors to say, Give give us the reins of power. Let's see what we can do for four years. Yeah, and actually, I wasn't talking about the you know, I've lived here all my life thing. I wasn't taking a, a deliberate dig, Andrew. I was. I don't live in Hamilton. Well, no, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I mean, yeah, I mean, she, she said it. I mean, I was bringing it up because it's a cliche that is said by hundreds of candidates in hundreds of municipal elections. Every election, you know, it's said in provincial level, it's at a federal level. It's such a massive cliche, and it means nothing. Um, and in Andrea's case, you know, I have to say, it's like, you know, Keenan Lewis might not have been here for decades, but in terms of the organizations he's been involved, I mean, it just doesn't, it's a bad argument. This isn't an endorsement of Keenan Loomis. Um, it's just saying that Andrea's argument there is a bad argument not to vote for Keenan Loomis. Find better reasons not to vote for him and, and tell me those, and then, and then I'll listen. You know, it's we expect more of Andrea Horvath as a leader of the NDP, as, as someone who, you know, of, of, of prolonged and extensive electoral success, who took the NDP from, you know, perennial third place finishers to currently perennial second place finishers. Maybe not perennial, <laughs> but that they're in second place right now for the second time. She did that. That's, that's, that's something. That's a big deal. Um, you know, so. Don't give us, I've lived in Hamilton all my life stuff. Everyone knows you've been working in Toronto for the last <laughs> decade and a half. <laughs> it's like, we, were, we didn't come down in the last fall of rain. Uh, you know, so it, that's just all a bit disappointing. Getting away from that, uh, you know, I, I think the best news is, I mean, there was an article in the spec today, and actually this is a good reason to challenge that article. I think it was in the spec today anyway. Or it wasn't today, it was yesterday kind of saying that the Hamilton election is boring and it's like I don't think it it's maybe not as hasn't come alive to quite the extent we maybe thought it would mm -hmm. like if um, if uh, uh, um, Fred Eisenberger had not stood down if Terry Whitehead had not stood down if Sam Marula had not stepped down it would be a different election and I and, and you know the fact that they're all gone particularly the two councillors Mm -hmm. is you know hooray hurrah you know <laughs> hamilton can 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 hopefully have some maturity in its next council um and, and you know i'm not going to paint uh fred eisenberg with the same brush i mean it's not fair but this wasn't a council that covered itself in glory let's put it in the most kind way we can um you know, so the fact that they were gone means it has changed the election, but I don't think it's boring. And I think that, I mean, I, I think the, the TVR article makes 
does highlight is there are some really good candidates out there. And we're not saying that those four are the only ones you should be looking at. We're definitely not saying that. Go and check out all your candidates if you live in Hamilton. Look at their look at their resumes. If they say, if the first thing they say is I've lived in Hamilton all my life, please roll your eyes with an exaggerated effect. And and, and if you ever get to speak to them, say, really? Really? <laughs> Let's think, kill that cliche dead when it, in four years' time. But I think what's interesting is that with the old guard just kind of giving up and what, going home, it it's refreshing because we're actually starting to get ideas. Like now, it's I, I'll be honest. I'm a little surprised that I'm saying this. I thought that oh my god, we're not going to have a debate on ideas or vision for the city because I thought there's going to be no no foil to put those up against you know you're not going to have uh uh you don't have to present to your your marulo supporters or your or your whitehead supporters or any of those people say well i need to convince you this these ideas are better because they stepped away it's now it actually like we don't have to worry about okay convincing people that why those candidates were a bad choice to begin with like we don't have to go through rehash the 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 bad history there we can now go to okay it's a it's a free market it's an open market now of ideas who's got the best ideas for the ward for the city and that's what we're seeing it's refreshing to see like we're actually getting some interesting ideas and some interesting uh choices coming to the table um and I'm pleasantly surprised to, I'm, I'll be honest, I'm pleasantly surprised to be proven wrong in this case that Hamilton is still an exciting race to watch. Uh, yeah, I, I definitely don't think it's fair to say it's a boring election. I definitely don't think that's fair. No. I don't think I don't think it's particularly helpful to spec to kind of drive down um, interest in that way. I mean, and, and I'm willing to say when an election is boring. I mean, this, this year in Burlington, I would say is really boring. Um, there's There's no... With all due respect to the candidates running against Marianne Mead Ward, you ain't going to win. I'm sorry. Uh, I'm sorry. It's that simple. You ain't going to win. Um, just the way it is. She's going to win by 100 million miles. Uh, the candidates who are running against the incumbents in other wards, I have not really seen anybody but who has, has grabbed my attention as deserving. We haven't probably seen that in any, in any real race. We, we're... we're... I mean, I mean, I've I seen a whole bunch of nastiness that is. Well, that, I, I mean, I, I just think it's garbage. I'm, I'm not even going to talk I'm, about I'm, it because it's garbage. I'm, and it, I'm saying, I'm just, saying you know, beyond beyond Burlington, uh, yeah. like in the 905, like hell, previous episode we went to Brampton or Brampton because <laughs> I can't, I can't even spell the name the name of the city she's trying to be mayor for. Like, I, I'm sorry, like that's just that's what we're talking about. Like nobody, like. I'll come back to Milton. I think that the mayoral race there is is really interesting, or yeah. should be really interesting. Everybody in Milton should be interested in that race because they the you know the 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 contrast between uh, um, uh, Zihan Hamid and uh, um, Gord Krantz could not be more could not be greater. I mean they they are. Uh, you know, here's this young guy who's done incredible things in, when I say young guy, he's probably, I don't know how old he is, uh, young compared with Gord, let's put it that way. <laughs> he's done, you know, achieved all kinds of things in, in, in a few years. Gord has achieved, well, the longest career in politics known to humankind. I mean, that, that's something that deserves recognition. 
but uh, you know it, it that really is a, is a, is a vote for you know where should milton be going now you know uh, do we choose to look towards the future or are we just happy to be a sprawling suburb um forevermore um i think that's kind of the decision that's going on there. so that one's interesting mississauga is a snooze fest brampton is bleh. you know it's just it's interesting but not for good reasons is it interesting because of how horrible it is and um well i think vaughan is is one that definitely um i'd be really interested to see what happens in vaughan um and i don't know i <laughs> i don't have a clue but i'm not sure it's a slam dunk for um uh, a certain former leader of the liberals yeah who knows we, we'll we'll wait we'll we'll keep an eye on it and see how it unfolds i just i find hamilton still see still continues to surprise me um I, I I would I like to see, kind of going back to the article about you know, activists. Right, I like I like that these four people said enough's enough. I'm 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 running. Uh, whether they win or lose, kudos to them for for putting their their names forward and and saying I want to make my city my community a better place. Um, and I hope more people like them. Uh, in the future, choose choose to step up to the plate like this and and put their names forward because I. I we need bold ideas and, and not, and not just at, uh, in our cities, but we need bold ideas all over. We're, we're just, we, we have, a, I, I just find that I'm, I'm tired of the same, same old, same old. Um, I, I want to see some bold ideas and big changes coming to really shape up this country, this region, this province for the challenge, the challenges that we have. Cause I, I just, hoping the private sector is going to come in and solve it ain't going to happen people we we need we have big problems we need big solutions to fix them the, the yeah and just sort of returning to to the tvi's point which was to kind of question whether activists are a good fit for council roles with with you know again are kind of resounding yes because you know the, the, these people have been involved in usually volunteer positions um for long periods uh and causes they are passionate about and if there's one thing i want in a counselor it's it's a passion for the community and and for and not a passion for their career but a passion mm -hmm. for getting things done for the community and, and i see far too many people far too many people who you know when you at, when you ask them why they're running can't give you a good answer other than that they want to run um they usually don't get anywhere thankfully because they're not the smartest <laughs> not the smartest uh uh kids on the block or whatever but but you've seen it i've seen it it's, it's, it's like the ambition is so obvious you know they start running for politics at the age of six uh they start wearing the politician's suit before they're out of school <laughs> And yet there's nothing, there's no there there, you know, there's no, it's like, why are you running? Okay, right. clearly you want to be a politician, fine, but why are you running? And, you know, a kind of look of panic crosses their eyes. Uh, so I'll take a, an activist who, who was there before they even thought about going into politics over that any day of the week. And on that, let's leave it, uh, let's leave it there for this week. Thanks very much, everyone, for listening. And we'll be back on Tuesday. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.
that's it for this episode of the 905er. Thank you for listening. As always, you can send us your feedback, thoughts, and concerns, or ideas for future episodes to our email, info at 905er.ca. We'd love to hear from you. You can help us keep the 905er going by financially supporting us through Patreon as well as PayPal. Visit us at 905er.ca and click on the support tab. As well, links are in the show notes for your convenience. Lastly, you can find us on social media. Search for the underscore 905er on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn. So long for now. See you next time. Did Will, the Story of People podcast is now available on the Cryer Media Network. The first five episodes are here and feature some incredible guests that fit into one or all three of those categories. Ready? Tara Sloan from the San Jose Sharks, Undercurrent Podcast at NBC Sports. Marianne Iveson from Iveson Voice and the Let's Take This Outside podcast to talk about the world of outdoors as well as voiceover land. Ariana Hunsicker, future Canadian Paralympic swimmer, already winning tons of awards for this country. Scott McGregor from the Hot Wallet podcast to dumb down the world of crypto, Bitcoin, and NFTs so you don't have to. And Jackie Holowaty from Climate Pledge Arena in Seattle, Washington, the first net zero carbon certified arena on the planet. Wherever you get your pods, wherever you watch your pods, and on the Cryer Media Network.